Today I'm really excited as well as honored to have Dr. Lou Pangaro, Professor of Medicine at Uniform Services University of the Health Sciences, with me to discuss RHYME, uh, what it is, why it is, and how to use it. I want to thank Dr. Danelle Kea from Johns Hopkins for suggesting to the CDIM Council that we consider creating a podcast on the topic of RHYME. Uh, she also uh, uh, emphasized to me that sometimes her faculty um, need a lot of mentoring around this, so she thought it would be really helpful. Uh, I asked her to submit some of her questions as well as those of her faculty about Rhyme, and so some of the questions I'm going to use today will be coming from Danelle Kea at Johns Hopkins. And of course, I want to thank Dr. Lou Pangaro for agreeing to join us here on Mountain Lion. Uh, Lou has written and published extensively on the topic of rhyme, as well as how it can work within our learning ecosystems. Lou, would you mind introducing yourself to our podcast audience and telling us where you grew up, went to college, medical school, did your residency, and a little bit about your travels through your institution, because you've done uh, quite a, a few roles there, as I understand it. Uh, sure. Um, so I grew up in northern New Jersey and went to college at uh, Georgetown University, College of Arts and Sciences. Then I went to medical school and residency there and was uh, an endocrine fellow and then uh, chief resident in uh, in uh, internal medicine. Um, I had known for a long time that I was interested in education because I didn't much care for medical education when I was in medical school and almost dropped out several times. Uh, but eventually I stuck with it and uh, was at Georgetown through my residency. And then um, I did a research fellowship in thyroid hormone metabolism at Walter Reed um, Army Medical Center. Um, I didn't want to be a bench researcher, but I felt it was always important to know mechanisms underneath, how things work. Uh, you know, like most internists, I want to know the mechanism of action, the physiology that underlies things. And it turned out that um, the military was starting a new medical school here at, uh, in Bethesda, the Uniformed Services University of the health sciences. The purpose was to create doctors for the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Public Health Service because uh, after the mid-70s, there was no longer a doctor draft. And since I was interested in education, my own personal mentor, Gordon Knoll, who was one of the um, mentors that led to the founding of CDIM in the early 90s, um, brought me on board to run fourth-year programs at the Uniformed Services. And then um, Gordon set up a general medicine fellowship, and I took over the medicine clerkship from him in 1985. And I was clerkship director for 15 years. And for about 10 of those years, I also ran the fourth-year program, sub-internships, with a lot of work in um, working with students who had academic difficulties, remediating uh, problems. And so I did that for uh, basically the clerkship director until about the year 2000. Then I became the vice chair for education and oversaw all the pre-clerkship courses that in our school medicine runs. Uh, basic history and physical, advanced clinical bedside diagnosis, clinical reasoning, uh, courses like that. And then um, in 2008, I became the chair of the Department of Medicine. Um, uh, a job that I wasn't especially interested in as, a, as an educator, 
but uh, because we were merging uh, Army and Navy hospitals, and I had done an enormous amount of work since the late 80s in faculty development, I felt I could help. And it also meant that I had responsibility at a system level, uh, even more so than I did in the clerkship for how we evaluated students and residents and how we did faculty development, and basically um, uh, one big system. And this has been my, my interest for some time. Uh, you may know I co-direct the Harvard Macy course in systems of assessment in medical education. And, uh, and the rhyme work that you're especially interested in is a key part of the physiology uh, of how we communicate within systems. Uh, I sat down as chair a year and a half ago and uh, now my research has to do with uh, what we are, might call and others have called educational epidemiology, how we use uh, observations in the present to predict future performance. Um, for instance, one of the things we published uh, several papers years ago, that using the rhyme system and the rhyme terminology, we have a pretty good idea of who's going to have trouble during internship. Um, so that's an example of uh, prediction from clerkship to internship. And since in the military healthcare system, our, all of our students at USIS, after their residencies, must remain on active duty a minimum of another seven years, we have a laboratory to study things longitudinally. And uh, rhyme progress is one of the early predictors that we use. That's, I'm sorry, I hope that wasn't too long. No, not at all. I, I had a couple follow-up questions to you um, on what you just said. So, first of all, what town in northern New Jersey did you grow up in? Uh, a Bloomfield, B-L-O-O-M-F-I-E-L-D, Parkway 147. Okay. If you're from New Jersey, you understand that everything is a parkway or a turnpike exit. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, it, no, I, it's, due, it's due west of Manhattan. I had gone to high school uh -huh. in, in Manhattan, so it wasn't very far. It was a quick huh. bus ride into New York. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I, I lived in Hoboken for about a year ah, at one time, so sure. it's familiar to me. Uh, and the second question I had is, and this is probably going to seem like a very naive and silly question, but so did, were you ever in a branch of the military, or they just recruited yes, you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I wasn't clear. I joined the Army to do thyroid hormone research. Oh, I see. That's what helped, uh, develop immunoassays for measuring things. Uh-huh. Um, and I loved the Army's academic approach and its mission orientation. Everybody works together as a team. And I ended up staying 20 years, so I was in the Army for 20 years. Oh, I got it. Okay. And most of my work was in how do you know students and residents are competent because we train our own people for the most part. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. And uh, so it was kind of a laboratory for me. Um, it was important to me that I was able to use the methodologies um, of endocrinology and, you know, most of us do that when we do any kind of educational research, but since I was setting up immunoassays for some of the lesser unimportant thyroid hormones, I used those techniques to calibrate assessments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that's another whole story about uh, the work we did to help set up and calibrate step two of the clinical clinical sciences exam for NBME by using standardized examinees. These were residents who pretended to be medical students unknown to the standardized patients who would be like putting known amounts of thyroid hormone in an immunoassay to calibrate it. Fascinating. Um, so as I was searching through the topic of rhyme 
Lou. Um, it looks like it was born at USIS at some point back around the 1990s or maybe earlier. Um, can you uh, tell us what RIME is first? I guess defining it would be great in case any of our listeners have not heard of it. And then if you could give a, a brief background on, on sort of how and why it was conceived. That would sure, be- I'd be, be glad to. Um, the original terminology of RIM, Reporter, Interpreter, Manager, was about 1988 to 89. And by 1991, I was doing workshops at CDIM and other clerkship groups on the Reporter, Interpreter, Manager, Educator. Let me repeat that. Reporter, Interpreter, Manager, Educator. Um, And so it's a system, it's a way of looking at the progress uh, of a medical student or a resident um, over the course from the beginning of med school to the end of residency. Overall, we conceptualize our profession. And, And actually, this would be true if you were talking about lawyers, historians, detectives, architects, you move from understanding into action. From a world that is primarily cognitive in thinking through problems of how how uh, the symptom represents one or two possible diseases and you have to think through what it is, or figuring out what is going on in the patient's universe, patient's world, context, situation, that is leading to their present situation. That's what we call understanding. That's reporter-interpreter. And then you have to move into the world of action, what we call manager-educator. As we all know, it's not sufficient to say to a patient, you have diabetes, you will take insulin. There's a fair amount of education that goes into that process, isn't there? Uh, and getting activating the patient and seeing what the cap- patient is capable of doing. Um, the other part of educator is to be reflective on what you as the clinician know and don't know about diagnosis and therapy and what you need to do or your team needs to do. So we added this E to RIM and it became RIME. And of course that leads us to a clever acronym. Almost all acronyms are clever in one way or another, right? Uh, SOAP or something else like that to make it kind of memorable. And, and so when we can say to a resident working with a student, talk to me in rhyme. It has this cleverness about it that makes it memorable. It's always been a little embarrassing to me, phrase-making and jargon, but it's part of the way we, way we communicate. And I'll come back to that in a minute because I think the essence of rhyme is that it is a molecule for communication. It is a package of meaning that is readily understood for which residents, attending, students already have cell surface receptors built in. When we teach somebody about rhyme, since they already know what a history and physical is, an assessment and a plan, history and physical assessment and plan, or SOAP, um, in our In our terminology, S is story, O is observation, A is assessment, P is plan. So everybody knows what a soap note is. So they already have this basic idea in their heads of what what physicians or clinicians or any any profession does. You see something, you think about it, and then you do something. So that basic rhythm is is just is the heart of rhyme. So rhyme is a way of looking at what students do, how they progress, 
and I'm telling them what they ought to be doing, what progress would look like in a way that describes not abstract domains like knowledge, skills, and attitude, but actual roles and tasks. And one of the things inherent to rhyme is that these roles, reporter, interpreter, manager, educator, combine knowledge, skills, and attitude. To be a reliable reporter um, takes a little bit of knowledge. You have to know what to ask the patient on rounds in the morning. You have to have the skill to be able to talk to them and examine them. You have to have the uh, confidence to tell the team what it is you found. You have to have something else very deep in the gut to get up very early in the morning and show up. So to be a reporter on a surgical service means you're often getting up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning to get there no later than 6. Um, what, what time do your students get in, Paul? Uh, they tend to show up between 6 a.m. and 6.30 a.m. So you see what I mean? To be a reliable reporter takes something in the gut as well. It's not just the head in the hand. And so what rhyme is, is what I call, and this is jargon I coined in the late 90s in the first major article on rhyme called The New Vocabulary, mm -hmm. Academic Medicine in 99, is I said rhyme is synthetic. To, be, to go from reporter to interpreter takes more than knowledge. It takes confidence. To go to manager takes more than knowledge. It takes the ability to work with a patient confidence to work with a patient, an understanding that the that you serve the patient and there has to be a certain ethical dimension to decision making. So that's what we meant by synthetic. So that's where rhyme is. It's basically a, um, um, a little phrase that is meant to encapsulate the movement from understanding into action over the course of med school and eventually residency. And can you tell me briefly what and um, I know you've done a lot of work on this over the years, but what in, in essence is the evidence that using rhyme is a better way to go in medical student education or education sure. in general, I should, yeah. should say? So we can talk about whether it works and what we know about this and, and if it works, why it works. Um, so, um, so when we look at, and we've published several papers on this in the annotated bibliography that I mentioned to you, if you, if you allow me to say that, um, uh, you know, most medical schools when I started were using pass, high pass, honors, or honors, high pass, low pass, fail, you know, some kind of a numerical system, and, and I wanted to get away from that. Please remind me to explain, but I think work, rhyme works because it is not a scale. It is not a scale. Uh, that's very important to understand. Um, so if you say that a reporter is going to be assigned a one, an interpreter a two, and a manager a three, and then you look at the observations of uh, interns, residents, uh, faculty, working with medical students across the internal medicine clerkship, and you look at the uh, interclass correlation using one, two, and three for RIM, the reliability of the rhyme scheme is 0.82 over a 12-week medicine clerkship. Uh, as you probably know, the reliability of the shelf exam is about 
Um, I don't believe in the terms subjective and objective. I think they're kind of vexed. But if you wanted to say which was more reliable, you'd have to say the rhyme terminology was more reliable than the shelf exam. Hmm. Let me give you another example. In using the rhyme scheme, if we uh, say use the rhyme the rhyme scheme in a system, and I, I may have to come back to that because rhyme is just one part of a, of a system of assessment. You can't just have a vocabulary. You've got to have a way of calibrating the faculty and making sure they're using it correctly. Uh, you know, the human body has it very tightly tries to calibrate osmolality, glucose, blood pressure, and it looks at these things constantly. So you can't just say, here's my assessment terminology, rhyme, EPAs, milestones, whatever you want, and think it's going to work. So the next set of data I'm going to be talking about is rhyme embedded in our system. But if you look at people who do not progress satisfactorily in the clerkship in the rhyme scheme, in other words, by the end of the clerkship, they are not reliable reporters moving to interpreter, then these people are 10 times more likely to have problems during internship. And we published two studies that kind of demonstrate that using qualitative and quantitative inter internship outcomes. When Mike Battistone, who's the University of Utah, was in his clerkship, when he uh, changed from a honors high pass, pass, low pass system to rhyme, um, the grade distribution went from predominantly high pass and honors, uh, in other words, skewed towards the high end of the thing, to uh, the median grade being a pass, and they actually began to get low passes and fails, which they never had before. So the, the three studies I've just mentioned to you are at a fairly gross level, uh, using rhyme as the overall grade for the clerkship and using it uh, using some indication of validity. Now there have been numerous other studies, some of them from uh, from Europe, using rhyme in OSCEs and in and in single observations how well faculty can look at a student interacting with a patient and say, oh, that's a reporter, that's an interpreter. Um, incidentally, uh, let me comment on this. Why, there seems to be better evidence for rhyme working than for most other things. Um, most of the checklists that have been around for, you know, since I was a medical student in the 70s, you know, here, here are 10 things you ought to be able to do. Um, they've never been demonstrated to give the uh, inter-rater reliability that we want or that have been studied for prediction for internship. Now, why is it that rhyme might work and these other things, like, for instance, the EPAs, the list of 13 EPAs being proposed by the uh, AAMC, and incidentally, I like them. But it's not a framework. It's basically a list. Mm -hmm. And we can, we can organize uh, of the 13. We can take numbers 1, 5, 6, and 9 and say that's a reporter. Number 2, 3, and 10 say that's an interpreter. 4, 8, 11, and 12. And use the EPAs as granular elements describing what performance looks like within the rhyme framework. And this is part of, I think, that the, uh, I'm not, not the secret, but the reason why my rhyme might work. And 
you can tell me whether this resonates you with you. Um, basically, when you're trying to get people on the same page, and um, uh, let me take a step back. Why? Why did I even think about rhyme in the first place? Um, when I was a medical student, um, it was a crapshoot what your grade was going to turn out because it really depended on who your resident, who your attending was. And that's been the general experience, I think, for decades. And you're, you're probably familiar. There are numerous papers from Tonesque's paper in the 80s, Clayman uh, uh, and others uh, 10 years ago about the bad reputation that teachers' evaluations of students have as being unreliable, poor inter-rater agreement, uh, poor feedback, poor um, um, validity, agreement on, on are you measuring what you want. And so one of the things that I observed is that physicians don't look at a patient and say, uh, he's an eight or he's a, he's a three. The whole use of scales is very difficult for physicians, but we are trained for a minimum of seven years in looking for patterns, right? Mm -hmm. uh, let's use medicine. That's that's pneumonia, that's pulmonary embolism, that's heart failure. And we have a prototype in our head of what each of those looks like. And by the end of our training, we've all seen so much pneumonia, we even know what atypical cases look like. Well, rhyme tries to take advantage of that skill already built into our faculty and saying, this is a reporter, this is an interpreter, this is a manager educator. In other words, we're not asking you to rate someone on a scale. We're asking you to classify what you see in terms of these patterns. And this is something that we do. Certainly internists, surgeons do it, pediatricians. Everybody does this. This is the nature of our classification. And part of this, Paul, is to get around what I would call one of the emotional barriers of, uh, of evaluation. Teachers do not like to give grades. They don't like to fail students. And uh, the literature is repeat, not just with halo effect, but what's called hedging sometimes, or trying to minimize what uh, paraphrases circum circumferential language to say, well, the student is, uh, the student, this student can be really good. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing, or what I'm, is we're not asking them to grade. We're asking them to classify what they see to make a diagnosis. Is this student a reporter, an interpreter, or a manager overall? And just as you and I know that not every patient with pulmonary embolism has every, every symptom, every physical finding, not every student who's a reporter has absolutely every one of the reporter uh, dimensions of performance, whether you use the four EPAs from the AAMC, gather a history, document an encounter, give an oral uh, presentation, be a member of the team. Not everybody has everyone perfectly, but we as clinicians are used to making judgments, diagnostic judgments. And basically what we find is the faculty can do this. After showing somebody the basic rhyme framework and, and the performance dimensions, this is what we mean by a reporter, 
Uh, I'll use Hemmer's terminology here, Paul Hemmer, you know him. Yes. Former president. So Paul says a reporter can answer the what questions. What are the symptoms? What are the findings? What are the labs? What are the medications the patient's on? An interpreter can answer the why questions. Why does my patient have a fever? Again, Paul's terminology, the how questions is manager. How are we going to figure this out? How are we going to deal with it? So those patterns um, are not difficult for clinicians to master, as opposed to the extra work that has to be done if you have six competencies, 23 sub-competencies, and 23 milestones. Mm -hmm. um, in the paper I wrote with Ola Tenkata on frameworks, um, I used the, the terminology, whereas the primary intention of an educational framework, whether it's competencies, the Canadian CanMed system, EPA's rhyme, is to structure, in, structure um, educational process and evaluation the secondary burden associated with the framework can be enormous. And, and I don't want to, I want everyone to think about how is it that we actually calibrate the residents and the interns and the faculty in, in their guiding students and their evaluating students. And so my, my first instinct was let's use patterns, reporter, interpreter, manager. The second thing is that this pattern that looks like a sequence, progress from reporter to interpreter to manager, exactly corresponds with the rhythm of all productive human activity, observation, reflection, action. And I'm going to use that moment. People ask me how I invented rhyme. I do not think I invented rhyme. I think I simply coined this jargon, reporter, interpreter, manager, which I heard interns and residents, teachers using about students, and I associated with these different roles that they have. And so you can look in Aristotle's De Anima, his text on psychology. You could read Francis Bacon in the Novum Organum, and all all people speak of this rhythm, observation, reflection, action. And I think simply because of my education and my background, I said, oh, this is obvious. This is what we all do. Why don't we have a language that fits with this? Hmm. So the patterns that we ask people to look for are, in fact, almost intuitive. Everybody knows what a soap note is. If you say to an intern, do you trust the S and the O written by the student? And if they say, no, I don't trust it, it's nonsense, then they're not a reliable reporter. They get this so very quickly that um, I use this physiologic terminology. Our teachers already have a cell surface receptor for this molecule. And, I, and, I, and if you'll, oh, um, I'm on a soapbox here. Have you noticed that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a roll. But, but this, is, this is important to me. When the body wants to communicate quickly, it uses um, small molecules like epinephrine and dopamine, which have a molecular weight of 100. It does not use immunoglobulins, which have a molecular weight of 150,000. So I'm very interested in small molecules that have an intuitive understanding for my teachers. I don't want them, I don't want to spend hours. And as chair of medicine, I of uses, I had a thousand people in the Department of Medicine between Bethesda, where I am, and Honolulu. I don't know if you know this, I have students in Hawaii, 
students in San Diego, students in San Antonio, students in Portsmouth, Virginia. And the LCME says, you know, where, how far away do you have students? And I say, well, let me show you our data on intersite reliability. And one of the papers that we published, Steve Durning was the recent first author. When you looked at the grading patterns across uh, over 10 years, 1,600 students, eight sites, and 22 clerkship directors, none of the variance in grading could be explained by the site. The principal determinant using rhyme of what explained variance in grading across students was their grade point average before they started the clerkship. I take that to mean, I would like to take it to mean that it's not a popularity contest. You actually have to know something to go from reporter to interpreter. So, so let me summarize by saying the idea of rhyme is that it looks at roles, reporting, interpreting, and managing. It doesn't look at uh, abstractions like knowledge, skills, and attitude. And incidentally, I think you know that uh, the ACGME moved from competencies to milestones, which is in effect a move from a, uh, uh, an analytic abstract framework to a developmental um, synthetic framework. I want to make one final comment about why you, one of the things you asked me is what are some of the misconceptions about RHYME? RHYME has a developmental aspect. We expect a finishing resident in medicine to be at the manager educator level for everything in the core for internal medicine, pneumonia, heart failure, GI bleed. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be at the ME level for pheochromocytoma or malignant fibrous cystiocytoma. But anything in the core, they have to be at the ME level. An intern has to be an interpreter moving to manager, otherwise they can't be a resident. A clerkship student has to be a completely reliable reporter, otherwise they can't be a sub-intern. We can't allow them to work without the backup of an intern if they can't trust what they tell us. So there is a developmental aspect to rhyme. But it is not a developmental scale in the following. You and I, when we see patients, we don't just interpret and manage. We get the facts. We don't just interpret the facts. We manage and we educate. So it is cumulative. It is not a classic uh, pediatric type uh, or psychiatric develop psychologic development scale in which you leave behind earlier roles and phases. And that's one of the misconceptions about rhyme. Uh, it's cumulative, and in fact, it's it's what some people would call non-compensatory. Uh, you could be a really great scholar and have written case reports about a patient you saw, in other words, be at the educator level, but if the residents didn't trust what you told them about patients, you weren't reliable, you would not pass because you wouldn't be a reliable reporter. It's almost like a weakest link phenomenon. Do you mm -hmm. hear what I'm saying? Yep. Uh -huh. and, and that, I, I believe, some people don't like because they think it's, it's unfair, but we don't, we don't allow excellence in knowledge to compensate for poor professionalism. We don't allow excellent interpersonal skills to compensate for poor knowledge. We, we all use a non-compensatory model, and I think rhyme allows people to understand, understand that. And Lou, how um, this is a, a little bit sort of sidebar question, but as we're looking at the rhyme uh, 
assessment of someone who's, say, going through, they're a good reporter, they've made it, they're a good interpreter, and now they're managing pretty well, um, but they're unprofessional. How does how does that how is yeah, that captured? This, in this, and this is interesting. Um, um, we think of rhyme as synthetic, in which professionalism is combined. To be a reliable reporter means you show up every day. So if the if the intern were to say, well, the student is really good at interpreting data when they're here, we would say, you mean they're not here? Some days, oh yeah, some days they just don't show up, and we don't know why. So, uh, so who talks? Who tells you about their patients on those days? Well, somebody else has to do it. Well, we would say they're not a reliable reporter. So this is what I mean by synthetic. And for most, but not all, of what we call professionalism, rhyme is adequate. You, you can't be a manager, educator without having good interpersonal skills and working with a team mm -hmm. and negotiating with patients. There are some exceptions um, in which, um, uh, I, I have to be careful, I don't, imagine a student who uh, after hours came in and tried to sell the patient's real estate or in off hours was selling drugs. Mm -hmm. You see, those would be professional lapses that would not be captured within rhyme. And let me explain it this way. Um, if we consider the six ACGME competencies, I, don't, I think there's really only one competence, Paul, patient care. The other five are things that support patient care. Mm -hmm. So this is a synthetic model. So um, as a clerkship director, we can look at knowledge in many different ways. In fact, it's better to have a multiple choice test than to ask the faculty. We can look at interpersonal skills by using OSCEs with standardized patients. We can look at uh, professionalism in part by 360s and asking um, somebody's peers, you know, would you sign out to this person? Do they answer their pages? But patient care can only be described by an expert in clinical care. And our recommendation, for instance, in the use of the milestones, is that the, the patient care milestones all be seen in terms of rhyme. In fact, most of them are. If you know, if you look at them carefully, you know, PC one, for instance, um, uh, you know, gathers and synthesizes accurate information. PC two is comes up with a management plan, and as you read across from left to right on these things, uh, it's. It's all couched in rhyme. It's what Paul Hemmer calls rhyme stones. Um, so um, I think that rhyme is perfectly adequate to be synthetic, including the professionalism aspects for patient care. For some things that are not part of patient care that have to do with, um, that would not influence patient care directly. Uh, are they dealing drugs outside of the hospital? Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Then you might not be able. And some of my colleagues in pediatrics here, and uh, Gary Forensic from uh, CDIM, Gary early on wanted to call it not rhyme, but prime, P-R-I-M-E, professionalism, reporter, interpreter. 
uh, up at Boston University. Warren Hirschman has been doing that for about 15 years. Forensic has been doing crime for 20-something years. And, and they're, they, don't, they don't disagree with me that prof- you can't be a reporter, interpreter, manager without pro- being professional. Mm-hmm. But in, in order to put it on the marquee to make sure it's very clear, some people like P-Rhyme. Got it. Huh. Um, let, me, let, me, let me say this. Um, most of this stuff is, is convenience. The, a framework, whether it's EPAs, uh, milestones, competencies, the Canadian medical system, the British system, rhyme. A, a framework is, is a, a, a construct, something we create to get handle on a complex reality. Um, what I have been after is sufficient granularity to have a rich idea of what success looks like, what is a reporter, what's an interpreter, but not, not more granularity than is necessary. So the, the motto, this was 25 years ago when I was president of CDIM, my presidential speech was, embrace complexity, act with simplicity. And I think all of these other six competencies, 23 milestones, 13 EPAs, these are all degrees of granularity that can be used to populate rhyme as dimensions of performance. But we know from uh, things like cognitive load theory, you know, seven or eight things you can hold in your head, but 23? And in and many medical schools, when you look at their lists of goals and objectives, uh, for knowledge, they'll have 30 goals. For mm-hmm. skills, they'll have 15. For professionalism, they'll have 20. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's stuff written by the educator class for the educator class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my work has always been to, to try to be fair, not just to society and students, but to my teachers. Wherever they are, in California, Hawaii, San Antonio, uh, everybody's got to be on the same page. So um, we say you you have to do what we call frame of reference training. I think everybody gets the rhyme frame very quickly. Observation, reflection, action, history and physical assessment plan, SOAP, report, interpret, manage, educate. And then we just have to spend time to make sure that they know what the dimensions of performance are like. And I think you can use um, milestones. You can use the EPA, the EPAs advocated by the AAMC. Uh, which have been around since I was a medical student. Nine are those, I was, I was evaluated on those 40 years ago. Um, you know, they, they've always been on checklists for medical students. Um, but you take the list and you use it to populate the rhyme framework and people get it more quickly. And so I, I want to say, I think one of the reasons why rhyme works and seems to work in a lot of situations is... Um, because there's, there's a receptor for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you may know the data published in CDIM surveys that from 1990 to about 2000, half the internal medicine clerkships were using RHYME. And then once the milestones came along and the ACGME mandated the use of milestones, then the AAMC said, no, everybody has to use uh, the, the, uh, the competence, I said milestones, I meant the competencies mm-hmm. to plot things along the curriculum. I mean, that's the ACGME and the LCME. These are strong forces in the universe. Educational theory, educational research is a weak force by comparison. And, uh, and I'm, I, 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 you know, I like the, I like the 13 EPAs. 
I, I like milestones. Uh, I've written about milestones, what I think works about them. But I, I would like to take that granularity and subsume it within the rhyme framework so it's easier for my teachers to use. Mm-hmm. And speaking of your teachers, Lou, I mean, I think one of the things any of us that are involved with faculty development struggle with um, is calibrating our faculty, how, how, especially given the, the many sites across part of the planet, basically, that you have students, how do you calibrate your faculty yeah. and, and your well, residents as well? Yeah, uh, I'm, um, I'm glad you asked, because I, I want to emphasize that I don't think rhyme solves all problems. In fact, um, it doesn't, I don't think it creates the problems that EPAs or milestones create, because we already, everybody gets the rhythm of rhyme, because that's how they, that's what they learned in med school. But it doesn't solve all problems. The barriers to honest, accurate, valid, reliable evaluation of medical students or residents has a cognitive component, which I think rhyme addresses. It, ha- it, it rhyme addresses the emotional idea that you're not giving a grade, you're making a diagnosis. Um, you know, you don't give a patient cancer, you make a diagnosis of cancer. You're not giving a grade of F. You're saying the student is not a reliable reporter. And then there are the logistical, the time, time barriers. So of these barriers, um, we know the emotional barrier in, in, um, in rating medical students, right? And this is one of the reasons why people whip the form, you know, that phrase, they just take their pencil and they, repeated studies have shown that. Incidentally, repeated studies have shown that if you have a checklist of 15 items, they tend to collapse using factor analysis to two, duty and expertise, skill or knowledge and professionalism. And um, to me, I think all of our frameworks are a footnote to Edmund Pellegrino, the ethicist who was an internist. Uh, He was head of medicine at uh, Kentucky before he went to Yale and then set up the Kennedy Ethics Institute. What is professionalism? He said it's a promise of duty and expertise. So all these different frameworks, RHYME, CANMEDS, milestones, are different ways of trying to give people a sense of what duty Uh, duty and expertise look like. The trouble is that when you ask me as a teacher to evaluate the student, I want to be protective of the student, and I'm going to feel badly about myself. And so we've done several studies, Paul Hemmer was the author on these, which you may know, that prove the obvious. People will tell you what they won't write down. Mm -hmm. Teachers will tell you about students what they won't write down. And a poll study showed that you double the chance you will pick up knowledge problems and professional problems, those are two different papers, if you talk to the teachers. So you ask me, how do we calibrate? I think no matter what method you use, rhyme, EPAs, milestones, you have to sit down and talk to the teachers. If you're really serious about this, and you get what Paul calls the triple play. You get honest evaluation, you generate feedback, and you calibrate the faculty. So it's, it's actually, we, we haven't done cost analysis studies to, we can tell you how much time it takes to run evaluation sessions. So uh, 
clerkship students, we only have for six, 10, 12 weeks. So you gotta meet with the ward team or the clinic attendings every three to four weeks and say, how are they doing? And we always say, talk to me and Ryan. Uh, interns in medicine or residents, we have for much longer, but t t typically at the end of each month um, on the wards, the residents, the chief residents, the attendings sit down with the program director. Or if it's a big program and you've got 50 residents, 50 interns a year, you have to divide up the work among the APDs and say, talk to me about the, the intern. If you really want to know the truth, mm -hmm. you talk to people. Any, I don't care if it's, whatever the system, I would not claim that rhyme will discover all problems. I think it solves some of the problems, especially the conceptual, the cognitive ones, the, um, what we might call the cognitive load questions, you know, of having 23 milestones or 23 competencies, subcompetencies. But it, you still need to talk to people. You, if you really want to know, as we do, and so m most of the, uh, um, m most of the way we regard our system is we have a system. There is the rhyme terminology, which is the epinephrine of the dopamine which allows rapid communication and understanding without a lot of work. Then we calibrate the teachers by talking to them every few weeks, how's the student doing? And if somebody says, oh, the student is an honor student, uh, they should get it, they're at the manager educator level. And you say, oh, that's great, let me write that down. Uh, tell me about their soap notes. Yeah, are, they, are they accurate? Say, well, the S and EO really are usually wrong. I have to rewrite them. They say, well, is that, are you saying that the person is not a reliable reporter? Say, yeah, probably not, but I really like the way, the way they do the, these other things. So, and we say, well, in order to be consistent between here and San Antonio and San Diego, we really need to make sure that we're all on the same page. So um, just tell me what your observations are in terms of do you think the person's a reliable reporter or not? You, you the intern, do not determine the grade. You tell us what you saw. And, uh, and so the third level of, of, of calibration of the system is what we call the Education Committee, DOMEC, which we've been doing. My predecessor, Gordon Noll, introduced it here in the 80s. It's a way of calibrating the clerkship directors. And incidentally, this has since become the standard in, as you probably know, in the ACGME world, you have to have a competency committee mm -hmm. that reviews the raw data provided by the teachers. So. At, at a minimum, you need a three-level system, and um, RIME is simply the, uh, if you will, the physiologic neurotransmitter in that system. You still need to make sure the um, faculty have cell surface receptors for whatever molecule you're using, whether it's RIME, CANMEDS, competencies, whatever it turns out to be. So, Lou, I wanted to ask you, is, is there a good, um, for faculty listening to this podcast or to clerkship directors and program directors that are listening and then they have to go back and work with their faculty on these things, is there a good uh, kind of how-to guide about using Rhyme that's somewhere out there in the literature? I know that the AIM website has a PowerPoint on using Rhyme to teach that Paul Mendez and Yvonne Diaz uh, created right. a number of years ago for CDIM, but I was wondering if you had any other things you'd recommend. Um, probably where we've written most of our, because uh, again, I want to emphasize, my work is to translate educational theory into practice 
for teachers and for students. So most of the stuff that you're asking for would be in uh, one of the uh, guidebooks published by uh, the Alliance for Clinical Education. Mm -hmm. So ACE, the Alliance of Clinical Education, which represents the Coordinating Council for CDIM, the Medicine Clerkship, APDIM, I'm sorry, ADAMSEP, the Psychiatry Clerkship, COMSEP, the Pediatric Clerkship, has, um, there's a handbook Mm-hmm. on the evaluation of medical students, which uh, I and Bill McGahee from Western, Northwestern are the uh, editors that came out a couple of years ago. And then there's uh, an every few years, AIM, excuse me, ACE publishes a guidebook for clerkship directors. Um, that is not just about evaluation of students, but that too has uh, articles on how you evaluate students. But probably the best current reference is the um, the ACE handbook for evaluation and assessment of students. Excellent. And, you know, we, I, neither Bill nor I get any royalties from that, so I, um, I, you can still say this is a, whatever you call it. No conflict of interest. No, no conflict of interest. <laughs> okay. tree, yeah. So in summary, Lou, what are the, the do's and don'ts of using RHYME um, for our listeners? Well, I think the do's and the most important do is to try it and to see Oh, and um, Paul, so much of my work is trying to bridge educational theory and clinical theory. I believe that teaching, taking care of patients, leadership, all have the same principles. And so when I write for teachers who are clinicians, um, I want them to see that what we're asking them to look at in a medical student the progress from reporter to interpreter to manager educator exactly mirrors what they learned over seven previous years, that they should have confidence in this. Um, The fact that clerkship evaluations of medical students have had a bad name for 30 or 40 years in the educational literature, I attribute to the fact that we were told to ask the wrong questions. We were told to ask KSA. And KSA is important, but that's not the way clinicians think. So I would, I, the, the do of rhyme is to see, in fact, whether reporter, interpreter, manager, educator does have some correspondence with SOAP or history and physical assessment and plan. The don't of rhyme is to assume that it is a developmental and that once you become an interpreter, you don't have to look at the intern's reporting skills. Or once a resident is giving you a management plan that makes sense, that you don't have to look at their R and their I as well. Mm-hmm. And the biggest, the biggest don't of any assessment, including rhyme, is to assume that a person is writing down on a piece of paper or in their cell phone on, you know, my evals or something like that, what they really think. Hmm. Fascinating. Um, As we're sitting here and you're talking about rhyme, uh, I have another podcast interview that I just recently did with uh, Justin Bullock at UCSF who... You may have seen this article, but it was um, called In Pursuit of Honors, um, looking at student opinions, um, which sort of underline uh, much of what you've been talking about in terms of 
something like 40% of students across clerkships, not just medicine, feeling that the feedback they received was not helpful. Um, yeah. And then student opinions about uh, that it, it basically they thought uh, being well-liked was the most important thing in the grading yeah. structure. Um, well, it is. It is important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that's very interesting, we've used the word reliable for about 25 years. Is the student a reliable reporter? Um, there's a current trend to asking the question, do you trust the student? Which is essentially a judgment not about the student, but about yourself, about your emotional state. And I think, um, although I know Ola does, Tenkata doesn't intend it that way, I think we have to be careful about the word like, because the halo effect, mm-hmm. I like this student, may make me trust them when I still don't consider them reliable. Mm-hmm. That hasn't been studied yet. Do you see what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we think of rhyme as the prototype EPA because it's a synthetic term that's been, you know, a long time. To be a reliable reporter is do you trust? It is a little bit more, less granular than can you do a history, can you do a physical, can you write a note, can you present a case? That's th- those are the dimensions of performance of being a reporter. But it's the same basic idea. Uh, you're looking at what the observations of the student, either on the, the case today or over time, over the last two or three weeks, and you're, you're making a judgment the way clinicians do. As I said uh, um, at the beginning, we want um, t- teachers' evaluations have a bad name. And yet, our colleagues look at messy data, history physical lab, and save lives. Not everybody with a PE or pneumonia has the textbook case. Not everybody who's a reporter has everything in the, in the reporter dimensions of performance, every EPA or milestone for reporting. Not everybody who's a manager has every one of the EPAs for manager. But we make these judgments, and I think I would like my faculty to have confidence in their diagnostic judgment, and we're just teaching them a new set of classifications. Um, and um, so if you believe that training education is building on what somebody already knew in their head that they could retrieve and was there um, then why don't we take advantage of the fact that everybody has this rhythm you see something, you think about it, you do something observation, reflection, action, report, interpret, manage. In fact, you know, one of the current jargons that are being used in, in evaluation theory is construct alignment. Do you know this? I so what, using that jargon, what I would say is the construct is already in the head of my teachers of observation, reflection, action, history and physical assessment plan. Why would I not use that? Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? So, the, yep. so mm-hmm. the, um, uh, that's the do. Take advantage of their prior training. The don't is assume that it, just like dealing with a patient, there aren't anchoring biases, halo effects. You have to talk to teachers. You have to create the sense, a culture of feedback in which um, honesty to the student is the best tribute. You don't need to protect the student from 
feeling bad about themselves. You want them to get better, so you have to be you have to be direct. And and that's part of the problem that I think we've solved with with, with my predecessor Gordon Knoll called grading sessions, and we call evaluation sessions because they determine value. Valere uh, meaning strength to be strong. Um, you sit down with a student the day after you talk to the faculty and say, here's what they've told me. What have they told you? And when you meet with the faculty, you say, what did you tell the student? What, what are you going to tell the student? And, and then the, um, the clerkship director coordinates the feedback. Um, so, um, and incidentally, in these evaluation sessions, not a, you're not reaching consensus in that Everybody has the same opinion. An intern sees different things than a resident, right? Or the attending. One of the questions we always ask the intern, have you observed your student causing pain? Starting an IV, doing a blood gas, doing a lumbar puncture. Only the interns see that. The attending doesn't see that. So each person has a slightly different perspective. Um, each, each of the different observers, intern, resident, attending, whatever, can have used the rhyme framework, but they have different set of observations with which to populate it. Hmm. And let me make one final comment, which I think is, uh, again, uh, the don'ts or the pitfalls. Rhyme is not a grading scheme. You can use it as a grading scheme and say, uh, a reliable reporter is a pass, a consistent interpreter is a high pass, a consistent manager is an honors. But that's this, that's, um, that allocation of grading to it is not what's inherent in rhyme. That's local use. What rhyme is is an observational tool. So let me explain what I mean. Suppose um, you're watching somebody interview a patient, and they do a pretty reasonable history and physical getting the facts, and the patient has a fever. And then you, the attending, say to the, to the student, uh, what do you think the cause of the fever is? And even though they got all the basic facts, they, they can't come up with a good di differential, right? Mm -hmm. so we have this learner who can get the facts and not interpret them. That's the observation. That's the assessment. Mm -hmm. But now, I suppose I told you it was a first-year medical student who was, a, who was just a beginning clinical experience. Would you say that's acceptable? Uh, perhaps. Yep. But suppose I told you it was a PGY2 in internal medicine. Probably not. <laughs> so the same observation, the same assessment using rhyme, somebody's a reporter, not much of an interpreter, has a different meaning, a different evaluation, a different value depending on the context. And so finally, my final comment would be that rhyme is a way of telling the teacher what they should be looking for, how to structure their observations. What the observations mean could be different for a student than it would for a resident. As I said before, we expect a finishing resident to be at the ME level for everything in the core for internal medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm working with endocrine fellows right now. I expect them to be at the ME level for pheochromocytoma and pituitary tumors, which would not be in the core for internal medicine residents. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? So, yep. so what, the, what the meaning of the observations are varies with the context. And so, you know, to summarize, I think rhyme is a good way of structuring observations. Yep. 
Well, Lou, I should. I promised you I wouldn't keep you more than an hour, and uh, we're up against the end of the hour. Um, and uh, I really want to thank you for talking with me today. I, I, I think a lot of our listeners will be familiar with Rhyme. I think it's it's unusual for them not to be, but I think digging deeper here uh, will be extremely helpful to them. Sure. As I mentioned, we have an annotated bibliography of work we've done and others around the country, and actually other professions have used because uh, I've had nurse midwives write about rhyme and how it works for them. Because that rhythm, observation, reflection, action is there. Is there some way that we can make that available to CDI members if they wish? Uh, yeah, absolutely. If, um, if you uh, send it to me, I can uh, post it when I announce this podcast coming out on the CDIM uh, discussion board. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, we'll have a little repository of uh, of things that come out of these uh, these interviews. But to date, we don't have that yet. So, good. All right. Well, I'm flattered that you asked me, Paul, and uh, thank you for listening to me. Uh, oh no, it was great talking with you uh, on a, a subject I was obviously deeply invested in. No, you have me thinking, sitting here thinking about all the things that I feel like we could be doing better with our clerkship here. So it's. It's I'm food for thought for me, and I'm sure it will be for many other listeners in CDIM and Aptum as well. Oh, that'd be great. All right, Lou. Well, thanks so much. See you, Paul. Bye-bye. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye-bye.